Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bandroom Podcast. My name is Dylan Maddox. And I'm Kate Nishimura. Kate, is that is that really you? It's really me. Wow. <laughs> I, th- I couldn't tell if it was you or Caitlin Bove. Um, <laughs> yes, Kate is back with us. Kate with a C back. is back. Yes, <laughs> yes. Welcome back. Thank um, you. Yeah. And thank you, Caitlin, how was your, for filming. How was your time in Vancouver? It was good. Actually, I wasn't in Vancouver. I was in Victoria, BC. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it was wonderful. I had an amazing, truly life-changing experience. Uh, and unfortunately, I got COVID while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has been no fun. Uh, I'm almost feeling better, I think. But um, anyway, some lingering symptoms and mm-hmm. uh, stuff. So hopefully that will uh, clear up soon, but yeah, listeners slash viewers, you will see and hear <clears throat> evidence of this in, in this episode. But anyway, I'm very happy to be back. Um, how are Me you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. You know, we just had, um, we did two off campus concerts back mm-hmm. to back, like mm-hmm. Tuesday and Wednesday, Yeah, both of which I did two of your pieces, uh, Wilderness and and then we did the american premiere of echoes of a northern lake last night which mm-hmm. was beautiful and people yeah. band directors came up to me asking when the piece was available Aww. so i just texted you and i said we d- we did our job, <laughs> did our job. <laughs> yeah no but that it, makes it, me it, happy. it really meant <laughs> it meant the world to me and, and we uh, gave the world premiere of uh eker hamill's uh stardust dunes with the yeah, moon that's band. awesome and, um, and that's I, I mean, I, I knew it was a good piece, but I think hearing it in not MIDI form now, it's like, yeah. oh, this is a great piece. So yeah. I'm really, I can't wait to share that recording later uh, with the world. But what I was going to yeah. say is it, it just means the world to me whenever I can share um, music I love by people I love with, yeah. with people here. Um, yeah. It's been really fantastic. So that's been great. Um, I got a new piece of equipment that I want to do a little bit of a show and tell. <laughs> okay, with, I'm ready for um, it. Because you because, you know, um, I'm a bit of a ge- – I didn't think I would be like this when the podcast started, but I I love, like, podcast gear. I just love it. <laughs> so, uh, once again, not sponsored by them. Um, although, you, if you're watching on video, you can see their logo right there. Um, I got the new Rode Procaster 2, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, a, a, um, it's a soundboard, and it's got lots of things that's specifically built for podcasting. But it has all of these cool <laughs> – uh, I'll put cool in quotation marks um, <laughs> uh, effects that you can do. So here's one of them. Uh, just listen. My voice is already kind of low, but check mm. this out. <laughs> oh, hello, listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pantheon Podcast. That's kind of terrifying. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's one of them. It's pretty crazy. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, uh, this one goes a little high. And it's weird hearing my own voice and then hearing how it's affected because it's a different pitch. So I can't sing. Like, I really couldn't sing anything anyway. Oh, petition to do and, the uh, entire intro in helium voice. And then very quickly, um, there's some other ones. That, uh, what do we got? Oh, that one's got, oh, there's a monster one. Oh, it's the same. Anyway. I guess it sounds the monster like the other one's the one. same as the, Yeah. This is one of my favorites, though. Oh, wait. There we go. I am a robot. I... 
And then uh, one that we've referenced in the episode, uh, or in the bonus episode, rather, is um, a button that we've actually should have had for some past guests. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, uh, like, I'll just tell you about how my <laughs> week was. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, so now i got the censor button, which... I can use it for myself at least. I was going to say, I don't know if you could really catch it in time. Yeah, if somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, could you, would you be able to tell if someone was ramping up to being able to like say something? Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm I'm really excited for this. Um, We're going to be able to use it because, and I also realized the reason I said Vancouver is because we have some news to share. Vancouver on the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, Kate and I were invited to present at the British Columbia Music Educators Association Conference, mm-hmm. which is just around the corner, happening in a couple of weeks. Um, and we're really excited to be going to Vancouver. Um, I guess it's going to be October 20th to the 22nd um, yep. that we'll be there um, presenting two workshops. Uh, one is not really a workshop so much that, um, but it's going to be our first official band room live, like actually live, which mm-hmm. is very exciting. And we're going to be joined by Dr. Stephen Capaldo from the University of Victoria uh, as our guest for that. So that's going to be exciting. So you don't have to be there to hear it. It's going to be recorded and you'll hear it in its entirety. Um, and it will just, it'll just be that that conversation we had none of the fancy kind of intros and stuff that we usually give so but anyway Mm -hmm. so we're doing that and it's going to be a a lot of fun and then kate and i are co-presenting um a workshop called composer conductor and community creating a healthy musical ecosystem through commissioning so we're just going to be talking about the collab collaborative process um which we've kind of gone through a little bit this past week with echoes Mm -hmm. um so we're just going to talk about how how that not only benefits um well your band but it also just the relationship that the co- composer and conductor have uh not to mention the community that gets to benefit from that music being made as well so it's going to be a lot of fun i think and it'll be great yeah. to catch up with um people we know and i know mm-hmm. there's some people who listen to the podcast that's why we got invited um so to <laughs> to connect with all of them will be awesome yeah, I was going to say, if there's anyone listening who will be at the conference, definitely come and say hi, come to our sessions and um, introduce yourselves. And uh, I'm, I'm sure there might be some people who have played my music and will want to say hello. And I certainly welcome that as well. So um, that'll be really fun. And uh, yeah, recording a podcast live with like a live audience, I think, because, you know, it's it's one thing to do live um you know, on Facebook live or like something like that, but to actually be like live in the room, um, in person with each other, with the guest, with an audience, um, that's going to be a new thing for us. So, um, very mm-hmm. excited to have that opportunity. Um, should be a lot of fun. I was checking my soundboard to see if I had like a laugh track. It's like, Oh, I wouldn't even need yeah, it. Or like applause or like, <laughs> I do, but I can't get it to work. Let's see. Uh, well, you've no, got a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's that's what's coming up into the future, mm-hmm. um, but there's uh, the present to talk about, yep. and we just had a great conversation with Gareth Jones, and he is uh, the director of the University of Calgary Wind Ensemble and Symphonic Band, and teaches conducting there, and the and conducts the brass choir as well, in which he also founded, and um, does many other things there. We talked about um, not only his time at the university but his time as associate principal trumpet of the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra, 
um, and the Tulsa Philharmonic. So just it was it was great to once again kind of have this performer educator talk again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so, um, I guess, reinforcing and refreshing to hear him speak um, about how his time as a professional musician influences him him as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And the answers he gave, uh, I'm not going to give anything away, but um, are just not what I was uh, kind of expecting. um, And talking about kind of people first uh, concepts and and things like that. So it was, yeah, it was just a really great conversation. Yeah. I also, I agree with everything you said, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, left feeling inspired and, uh, reflective and all all the things that you want after a good podcast so i think everyone will enjoy it um and before we get to that i'll just invite everybody to leave us a rating and or a review on whatever podcast platform you uh use to listen to this podcast and all the other things you listen to uh it takes very little time and it helps us a lot so please Take a second to do that. Make sure you've subscribed to the Band Room Podcast. Give us a like, a follow on social media and all that jazz. Um, if you would like to leave us a comment or send us a message, um, that goes a long way as well, just to give us some feedback and let us know what about this you're enjoying or what you want to hear more of and that kind of thing. Um, and I think we did actually get a message recently that um, Dylan shared with me that was you know, really, yes. really wonderful. I don't know if we want to read that out or um, if we can do oh, that. Oh, I or can not. do it. It can be our review of the month. So I'm going to write a jingle name, for that. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, 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 so I don't often actually. I don't really ever share the name of the of the person, so that's okay. But mm-hmm. here's just a quick note. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you two hosts and your guests for this podcast. This podcast was so affirming for all the, all the values I hold as a future educator. The experiences you talked about resonated with me immensely, and I appreciate the time you took to share uh, this content with us. D- Dylan, you mentioned sobbing on your way to work <laughs> after listening to Kenley's podcast. A very familiar experience happening over here. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, thank Aww. you for that, that little... That little note you sent us. I really yeah, appreciate that. That's awesome. See, um, that's how easy it is, folks. Send us something. Tell us something. Yeah. It really does make our day. And leaving a review and, and all that, it, it helps other people find the podcast too. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for helping us out in that way. And um, if you want to help us out in another way, there's something else that you could do. Ching. <laughs> <laughs> you could become a patron of the Bandroom Podcast um, by supporting us through Patreon. Um, where you'll have access to bonus episodes, stickers, and other things. Um, like this and, sweater. Uh, well, that's not through Patreon. Like that's, sorry. Well, that's yeah, just, yeah, you have to pay for that. Just buy it if you want it. But <laughs> people who are watching on YouTube, <laughs> you can see that I'm modeling our very spiffy Fan Room Podcast uh, merch. And for yes. those of you who can't see it, well. Um, and it, it's good. It's great quality. You have to buy some for it's yourself. It's very cozy. I would do it. I have to wait a couple more months before I can put on a hoodie here, but um, yeah. I'll get there. <laughs> I'll get there. Um, so yeah, so you, we can listen to, to the bonus episode that we recorded today with Gareth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, it was a good it's a one. Good one, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, with someone who's you know he spent ten years with the Calgary Philharmonic. He still plays with them now um, from time to time, but um, 
I guess kind of the theme of the <laughs> the uh, the episode was just you know always make sure you're prepared and <laughs> and before you leave home make sure you have everything that might be yeah. necessary to I don't know play Scheherazade yeah probably um, important <laughs> so so yeah so you can hear that bonus episode and many more by um, checking out patreon.com slash bandroompod that's patreon.com slash bandroompod for more but without further ado here is our conversation with gareth jones for another exciting Bandroom podcast. And uh, today I'm really excited because I didn't tell him this before we uh, got on the call, but it's, uh, he is someone I've looked up to for a long time that I've, as, as a young person at Music Fest Canada, I would see him walking around. And I said, who is that person with that great head of hair? And it, it was Gareth Jones, who is, uh, he conducts the University of Calgary Wind Ensemble, artistic director of the Alberta Winds and many, many more things. Um, so welcome to the band room, Gareth. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm so glad that this worked out um, and that he's he's even fitting this in like right before rehearsal for us. So we're extra appreciative for you to be here. But uh, I guess we'll just start where we always start. Where, why, and how did your musical journey begin? Um, do you want... There's the, the very long version. There's the slightly <laughs> edited version. There's... <laughs> Um, I, you know, it was, it was, I would, I was an odd, uh, young child that when, when I was asked when I was, I was, my friends would ask me when I was like five or six years old and we'd kind of going, what are you going to be when you grow up? And my stock answer was I was going to be first chair of the, of the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. I grew up in Vancouver oh. and, and they're all looking at me going, why do you want to be a piece of furniture? And, <laughs> and no, nobody quite got the first chair thing, but so it was, and I had it in my head from very early on that I was going to be a musician. And uh, it's, I, I started out as a, as a violinist for many years and uh, um, started playing trumpet in high school. And after many, uh, many conductors asking me, have you ever considered viola? Which, which is which is code for you're not a very good violinist. Um, Sorry um, to any I, viola players who are listening. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're starting on it, yeah, there's, there's no way to back out of that one. Sorry, guys, I didn't mean that. My sister's a violist, so. Oh, okay. It's, um, not that that makes it any better. I don't know why. That <laughs> but. but uh, um, so I, I realized trumpet was a better fit for me, went into the wonderful world of brass playing and uh, had some, uh, went to UBC and uh, met the wonderful trumpet teacher and pedagogue, Vincent Shikowitz, uh, mm -hmm. when I was playing in the National Youth Orchestra. I decided I really had to go out and follow him. I transferred out to Northwestern and finished my undergrad there. And okay. it was a, a really a wonderful couple of years there. I actually got to, to uh, work with John Painter a lot there. Oh, great. Um, and so there's really wonderful experiences out there. 
Um, my, I got, I was fortunate enough to get a gig out of university, um, playing with the Tulsa Philharmonic, mm-hmm. um, which sadly is no more. Um, okay. yeah, but the played with them for two years and then I got the job, um, playing second trumpet with the Calgary Philharmonic. And what got me into conducting and that whole end of things was actually an injury. I, uh, okay. it was, uh, 20, yeah, right around 20 years ago now. Um, after I'd been playing in the orchestra for 10 years, uh, I tore a muscle in my lip, my orbicularis oris. Yeah. Um, yeah. Try, try explaining that one to the disability insurance people. <laughs> They're going, yeah. you, you, you tore my your lips. what? <laughs> and so after a bunch of years of, um, trying to rehab it, retore it, had a surgery, um, in the meantime, I got into conducting, first of all, out of kind of desperation. How can I stay in the music world? Mm-hmm. And I really, I, I found that I was shocked how much I loved it. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was interesting for me that what opened up, um, I was really planning more towards orchestral conducting because that's the world I mainly knew. Right. And uh, what opened up through a, a series of very fortuitous circumstances um, was some uh, wind band conducting at the University of Calgary. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was fascinating for me because I was really, as much as I loved playing trumpet in an orchestra, there was always something missing for me. And, mm-hmm. and what, I realized the main thing that was missing was that connection to people being able to make when you, when you're performing, you impact people's lives, but kind of from afar as, as a, um, as a teacher and a conductor, it's immediate, it's right there. And, and I just, I love what I get to do as far Mm -hmm. as working with students and, and musically, but just hopefully making a difference in their lives. And that to me, I'm now I'm fortunate enough to be um, back on playing the trumpet. I've been back with that for 10 or 12 years now. And, and I feel like I've, I've got best of all worlds where Mm -hmm. I'm, able to have a foot in both of those worlds while um, being the main part of what I do now is at the university. And it mm-hmm. is just such such a, a, a treat and a privilege to be able to be a, a daily part of the students' lives and really make an impact. So there's a wow. very long-winded yeah. answer to <laughs> a very simple question. <laughs> no. no, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a great pretty answer. concise, actually. <laughs> And now, a word from our sponsor. The Bandroom Podcast is proudly supported by Kaleidoscope Adventures. Kaleidoscope Adventures is a full-service student trip planner with more than 26 years of inspiring student travel. Dylan and I have had positive experiences on school music trips, so we both know how much these meaningful opportunities contribute to students' musical development and create lasting memories. Kaleidoscope Adventures specializes in organizing unique trips to over 40 student-friendly destinations. 
If you're planning a student trip, you can count on the Kaleidoscope Adventures professionals to collaborate with you to organize the perfect education or performance tour. When you're ready to plan your next adventure, visit kaleidoscopeadventures.com. That's kaleidoscopeadventures.com. can't even I, I wouldn't even be able to fathom that that feeling or that just the thought of not being able to you know do the thing that you do and and having to pivot like that and it's not the first time we've talked about this exact thing on the podcast uh, Nicole Puno who's a composer same thing she was doing her doctorate in trumpet also a trumpet uh, player too. One, yeah <laughs> yeah one yeah. of the Michigans and yeah. And I know Ray Tizard also is an example of right. that yeah. same thing in Toronto but um, but it's always interesting that um, th- that musical basis for what you do as a trumpet player, as just a performing musician, um, sometimes we question it and maybe it's not enough for, for to be a conductor, but we all it always guides everything. Because I, I was in Jason Kassler's office the other day. I was like, do you know Gareth well? <laughs> and he was asking, sick. he's a master musician and like a wonderful person and conductor. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's awesome to hear how that the that musicianship guides into your conducting which we're going to talk about more later but um did you have like musical parents what what kind of child goes <laughs> i, I was going to ask that <laughs> yeah i was wondering that too like go like i i love that we got to this part of your journey but like rewinding a whole bunch like what, <laughs> what prompted yeah what prompts a five-year-old to say i want to be like first chair vancouver symphony like you know, as you said, Motor your peers, in the womb or something. Yeah, like your peers are like, chair, what do you mean? Like, and, yeah. and you're already, you know what that is, you know what that role is, and you know you want to do it. Like, where did that inspiration come from for you? Um, my my mom was actually, uh, she, her undergrad uh, was in music, and she was actually mm-hmm. uh, intending to go into uh, music therapy, which for, for the time was quite yeah. ahead mm-hmm. of the curve. Um, so I, I grew up the most, um, here's one of the many things that will date me that the, the most memorable LP cover that I remember (laughs) from my childhood, um, it's this, uh, um, just, I I forget the artist, but it was, uh, um, quite, quite an abstract painting on the cover of this Darius Mio album. Um, and, uh, that's, well, well, a lot of kids are listening to uh, Fred Penner and all this wonderful. Sh- I'm getting warped by Darius Mio. It's <laughs> so I, I never really stood a chance. Right. I, actually, it's, yeah, it's quite it's quite funny because both of my girls, I've got two daughters, and um, they've both gone into music themselves. Nice. And so it's yeah. So there's a um, yeah multiple gen- generations that. That never stood a chance. There. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there we go. The mystery was solved. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been really cool, though, if you were just like, ah, oh, I just came into my head and that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, uh, and the other thing I want to talk about, because we've had numerous guests on the podcast um, who have been uh, Northwestern graduates um, and have also been Chickowitz students. Um, Jillian McKay being one of them. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? Actually, someone else in Alberta, Karen uh, Guffelson. Right. Is, uh, also. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, what what is it ab- about Chickowitz that kind of 
got maybe influences your your teaching as a as a conductor yeah uh he in his teaching it was he he taught the person not the instrument um it mm-hmm. it was and i think any great teacher does that any great teacher is is truly interested in caring about about the individual and and how they can help them in a positive direction but he really made that connection between music making and the person that his one of his um one of his things is you will you you will always play your personality that's that's just how how you are and we've all how we are comes through in our playing and mm-hmm. it's it's interesting for me conducting a large ensemble that it's the the absolutely crucial component of creating room and creating space for that collection of personalities to come through in the music um mm-hmm. which i find that a really intriguing challenge where it's it's not about for for me it's not about that okay can you create the most technically perfect recording or performance but can mm-hmm. you create something that really reflects the players and uh says something unique and to me that's that very much came from my my time with with Chickowitz and understanding the importance of that i can i can remember i had huge problems with nerves early on and when i first transferred out to to northwestern um i was playing a, a master class and it was after i'd been there for two weeks and i'd been wandering around listening to all the practice rooms and going and trying to trying to get things right in my practice room and and it just i felt like there was bud herseth behind every every one of these practice room doors and i was just going what am i <laughs> and then i i go to play at this master class and and uh Chikowitz was there um I believe Frank Crisofoli was there, the old uh, principal trombone in Chicago. Um, oh, I believe Arnold Jacobs was there. And <laughs> I'm just going, are you serious? I'm playing in front of people. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and I, was, I was a wreck. By, by the time I got to the end of my performance of my simple little piece, I could hardly make a sound on the instrument. And... And I I went to to Chickowitz the next day and just went you know what it's clear I don't belong here I like this I'm I've figured out how to make this work I'm gonna I, I'm gonna book flight head home like it's and he just he took me aside sat me down and just said okay this it's that vulnerability it's it's that that you see is this big weakness right now that is going to be a strength hmm. and. It's it would it was a very interesting journey, kind of figuring out the nerves and getting through that, but understanding um, understanding how they were kind of a strength in disguise was mm-hmm. a colossal, colossal help. Yeah. Wow. 
Oh, that's that is also the the, the best explanation of Chickowitz, <laughs> like just <laughs> teaching that I've heard, uh, and it's so beautiful um, to hear hear how he was kind of a people first uh, yeah. teacher and how that's that inspired you. Um, yeah, that's yeah, great stuff. Hmm. Yeah, wonderful. You mentioned a little bit as you were talking about your musical journey. Um, that right out of school, you got a job with the Tulsa Philharmonic, which unfortunately is no longer, but still, um, we'd love to hear a little bit more about um, your experience in that gig and also with the Calgary um, Philharmonic. And um, now that you've contextualized this as well, knowing about the injury and how that led to kind of what came next for you, yeah, I, I understand that like, oh, okay, so that was a shorter chapter and then you kind of went on to do some conducting and it's helpful to know like where that came from. But um, yeah, I would still love to know about your experiences um, playing in those orchestras and maybe even how you got from, you know, as you were just talking about being so nervous um, and performance anxiety and, and all of that to then like performing regularly with these professional ensembles. How, how was that for you? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, my 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 time in in Tulsa, I, that that first gig, I will I'll never forget sitting in my first concert, uh, playing with the orchestra, sitting there on stage, looking out at the audience, and I'm just kind of going. I'm making a living at this. They're, they're, this is this is this isn't a like this is a career, and it was just it was a it was a shocking moment for me. And it was actually I think it was a colossal relief moment for my for my dad. He was he was very. <laughs> I, I'll I'll never forget the first time my uh, he and my mom came down to hear a concert down in Tulsa, and uh, that just that that look of very poorly hidden relief on his face when he sees me in this professional situation <laughs> after playing all these these pickup gigs with the R&B bands and all of this kind of things. right he he was he was very relieved um but uh, yeah having having that experience um in in Tulsa it was a steep learning curve for me and I think everybody stepping into their first their first full-time orchestral gig. It's a, it's a steep learning curve. And actually, my, my older daughter has just started, uh, um, she's a, a bass player, and she's just started playing with Symphony Nova Scotia. Oh, and great. Yeah, and uh, she was, they were, um, she was looking at this first concert, the sampler concert, where there's um, Beethoven Five and Nutcracker and all these kind of, for me, having played in orchestras forever, it's like, oh, okay, so it's just like a falling off a log concert, it's a piece of cake. And she's quite, no, no, I've never played these in, with a group before. <laughs> and that's that's one of the things I'm thinking, okay, wait a second, we need to create a course that's that's um, or professional orchestra 101, making sure that every, every orchestra student, every every instrumental student knows the standard rep i think and it's interesting i think as conductors it's so easy to be guilty of trying to find new interesting stuff which is great mm -hmm. but i think especially in the in the orchestral world it's important to have that foundation of the knowledge of the standards yeah. um but um 
Yeah. So from uh, Tulsa, moving on to Calgary, and it was a, um, it would it was interesting for me going through that steep learning curve that that Tulsa was into Calgary, where I felt more um, kind of felt like I belonged more. Mm-hmm. Um, felt a little more um, confident in, my, in myself in that setting. Right. Um, and then, I, and just, and for me being, being in Calgary, it was close to Vancouver where I grew up. So it was just kind of a little more familiar territory too. Um, but it was, it was very interesting throughout that whole process, working through the, the nerve stuff that I've, that I talked about it, actually, even in preparation for the, uh, uh, the Calgary audition, I started working with, um, it's called an, an Ericksonian therapist, uh, okay. where it's just a very intensive imaging, really, um, mm-hmm. where you're just trying to dream through your audition or whatever you're, whatever you're preparing for. Um, and that was, that was fascinating for me. Um, I, it's, it's interesting what we do in our own minds, um, I used to be a, a competitive tennis player and I would work with a, a sports psychologist. Um, <clears throat> when I first started working with him, I could not win a point in my head. And <laughs> I'm just going, okay, I'm starting to see the issue here. <laughs> right. and, and it was the same kind of thing with, with uh, starting to do that work with my trumpet playing, that mm-hmm. it was understanding that self i wouldn't go so far as self-sabotage but but just uh understanding that it it can come from just a a lack of truly believing what's what's there and letting go and Mm -hmm. trusting it and so that's a big part of what made the the calgary audition possible for me um and really it's my my time and I still play with the the Calgary Philharmonic, but it's on a on a uh, part time basis. Um, okay. And but being there, like the time when I was there as a full time musician, um, it was really it was not just kind of stepping into the world of uh, being a professional musician, but colossal changes in my life of becoming a father and um, all of becoming a homeowner and all and I'm like going right. around going, I'm an adult. Ah! And it was <laughs> it was uh, kind of kind of shocking to me at the time. And it's um it the the orchestra and the and the trumpet playing and the music was all was all kind of a part of that. And mm-hmm. when I stepped into because throughout all that time, as um, the vast majority of musicians do, I um, taught privately and and found that I learned so much about myself and my music making through that. Um, and then when I stepped into the the when I had the injury and um, was started getting into conducting and stepped into the more full time teaching role, um, it's that eye-opening experience of the the 
self understanding and the self um the the humbling experience of the 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 self understanding and self awareness um which right. was absolutely wonderful and same thing because that as i say that's it was my injury that got me into the more full time teaching and the conducting end of things mm-hmm. and it was the understanding that so much of it is this self-inflicted um, when we're when we've got conflicts in ourselves. To me, our our body brings that out, and right. it will it will it'll come out one way or another. And <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm just thankful that it, it came out in this this little way that affected that part of my life, but nothing else. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and now that that's back, it's kind of, as I say, best of all worlds, but it's um, yeah. I, over, over those years with the, the orchestras, it was just a lot of, a lot of growing, a lot of learning more about music making and most of all learning more about myself. And mm-hmm. it's, it's something that, hugely hugely impacts and shapes how i how i teach and how i conduct right no that's beautiful and i i, I love hearing about and because since our audience is actually it's actually more american now than it is canadian um, right the, the calgary philharmonic is is one of uh, canada's top orchestras um and uh you know, greatest one of the greatest promoters of new music as well and and does a lot of things to um uh, just bring Arti- very high artistic uh, performances to our country so we're, uh, it's really nice to hear about it and how that's influenced you and i can only imagine all the conductors that you were able to to play under and all those great musicians that you get surrounded by yeah and, uh, yeah and it's fun that's... because um when my friend miranda is now <laughs> now and then in the philharmonic we used to play in the weston silver band together Okay, um, very cool. Yeah, yeah. World. Veranda is sounding like a million bucks. She is just yeah. it's so yeah, it's so great to have her in there. And um, well, you 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 uh, you segued into this next question beautifully for us. Um, <laughs> but I I'm always interested in speaking to people like you because um, I have a, a similar bath uh, not a bathroom. Oh my goodness, background. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to to getting into conducting in a similar path, being a professional trumpet player, and I, I find more and more that that's not really that's not one that's not probably the most common path that people take to be a performer than go into education. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm wondering how how Gareth the performer influences Gareth the conductor and, and educator. Yeah. Um. I, I find, and this is where I, I love going back, being able to go back in and, and play on a regular basis with the mm-hmm. orchestra. Um, it's, I find it's so easy to, uh, I get, it's so easy to forget how much all of the students in, in my ensembles are putting themselves on the line, how mm-hmm. scary it is. And, and, uh, yeah, I find getting in there on a regular basis and being on the other side of the baton, um, I, I learn, I learn a lot constantly. Um, first of all, about just keeping that perspective, uh, but 
also of wonderful things to do and some things not to do and when you're holding the baton um right. and uh, yeah it's it's interesting that i there used to be as as i'm sure we we all are if we don't if we don't personally remember we've heard stories of the how um a lot of the the old school conducting was um it was it was not warm and fuzzy and uh, and and it's interesting how um i just i i don't think that creates the best music making um it's uh, i was one of the 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 main music director that i i worked with while I was full time in the in the cpo uh was hans graf and it was such a treat to get to work with work with him and learn from him on a regular basis that um one of the things that I loved that he would always do he'd if in rehearsal something didn't go exactly the way he wanted he'd stop and he'd think for a moment and he'd go okay let me let me try something different here and it was we all knew what happened we all knew what he wanted and and it was that he was rather than going what's wrong with you why would you do that that he's going okay we're all a part of this what can i do to help and that for me was one of the and i i feel like I've, i got many great things from his conducting but it was it just it created this atmosphere of the group group of musicians on a stage on the stage as as uh, collaborators and uh people striving for the same goal rather than mm -hmm. the 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 boss and the underlings right. and and that i think that's just that's so crucial and it's it's interesting because it's different when it's um when you're uh the musicians when the instrumentalists are also the students Mm -hmm. um it changes the role a little bit uh but it's still i think extremely important to, to be collaborators up there mm -hmm. um it's yeah and that's that's one of the things that i find such a a, a wonderful challenge about conducting um mm -hmm. is the, the the psychological aspect of it is how to get uh, the best out of a group of people rather than just mm -hmm. a group of musicians or a piece of music. Um, and that I found like, when I, I talk about the various steep learning curves I've been through. And that was when I, when I started, when I first started um, conducting the symphonic band at the UFC, um, mm -hmm. which was the first group that I was, I was fortunate enough to, to take over um i didn't want to i didn't want to be the bad guy um right. and and that that doesn't work that it, it was it was interesting because it's just that's my natural approach to life is i want to be i want to be people's friends i i enjoy mm -hmm. just getting to know people and and it's a uh, I remembered about three or four weeks into my first first year with them, 
uh, there was one one student who just wasn't doing the work and mm-hmm. and I could just I could I was just trying to be positive trying to be encouraging and and I it was about three or four weeks in I looked around the stage and I saw a whole lot of frustrated faces and that's when the penny dropped of going oh yeah okay I can't be Mr. Nice Guy all the time because I'm the <laughs> only one who can actually solve this frustration for everybody else mm-hmm. on stage. I've right. I've got to be the heavy hand, and mm-hmm. and I found my way to to be comfortable playing that role. And it's yeah, I, I find it a very interesting balance of that being mm-hmm. collaborators and and yet when the at the end of the day that when you're on the podium, you're the person who can actually make the difference and you're the one who has to uh, address the things that are on everybody's mind. And now a word from our sponsor. You know, Kate, I often think back to my time at music camp and how important that time was not only in my growth as a musician, but as a person. I feel the same way. My first time performing original music in front of a big audience was at a music camp, and many of the people I met at camp are still friends and colleagues of mine today. 2022 marks the 60th anniversary of the Interprovincial Music Camp. That's right, 60 years of being Canada's most comprehensive music camp. IMC offers specialized camps for all levels of band, orchestra, choir, musical theater, rock, jazz, and songwriting. Students can learn from faculty that include members of major symphony orchestras, Juno and Grammy Award winners, touring musicians, and music educators. Also, new this year is IMC's Beginning Band Camp, open to campers ages 9 to 14. Located at the beautiful Camp Manitou on Manitowabing Lake, located in the heart of Muskoka Perry Sound region of Ontario, Canada, IMC facilities are second to none. With fully equipped cabins, outstanding meals with one of the chefs dedicated to preparing meals for those with specific dietary needs. IMC is unique in that it is centered around music, but also offers a true camp experience, including traditional activities such as swimming, sailing, water skiing, beach volleyball, and much more, as well as evening programs for the campers each night after the faculty concert. IMC provides young musicians with comprehensive and exceptional musical training with faculty members who are some of Canada's finest performers and educators some of which include past bandroom guest, conductor, clinician, and educator Colin Clark, Dr. Colleen Richardson from Western University, Dominic Desotel, principal clarinet of the Canadian Opera Company, Sarah Jeffrey, principal oboe of the Toronto Symphony, and Vanessa Freilich, associate principal trombone of the Toronto Symphony. They all bring a wealth of teaching experience and performing skills and are passionate about sharing their love of music with young musicians. Don't miss the opportunity to grow, be inspired, have fun, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Stay connected by following them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at imc.ca. That's imc.ca. To learn more about how you or someone you know can celebrate 60 years of the Interprovincial Music Camp, visit campimc.ca. That's campimc.ca.
I can imagine that, uh, especially coming from the professional world that I, and I'm always thinking about it working with like our, we have our top group here is the, the chamber wins. Um, mm-hmm. and they're just for the conductors to work with. And, um, Jason's always talking about how we can, you know, be more efficient. So I can imagine, um, coming from the professional world and, usually um conductors just using fewer words and 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 showing more um and you know being direct when you have to be direct and understanding that direct isn't some kind of uh, code word for being a jerk but you know yeah. you, you you do ha- you're right you have to <laughs> you can't be Mr. Nice Guy all the time so, yeah yeah uh, very yeah it was it was interesting with the um with Hans Graf it was he was very definitely not Mr. Nice Guy all the time, but it was always, <laughs> it was always about the music. And mm-hmm. that's where I, I was like, none of us on stage could go, well, that, that was, that was personal. That was, it's, no, it's like, yeah, right. okay. I, I wasn't doing what I needed to do. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah. When it's, when it's a uh, done purely and simply about getting the best out of that, it, it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for the mute button because our audio only <laughs> listeners cannot tell at all that I'm coughing over here. YouTube people, you know, you're on to me. Um, okay. So <laughs> uh, we wanted to know about how your time as a high level professional musician has influenced your approach to working with students and community musicians, as well as other professional musicians. You've kind of talked about this already, just naturally in the conversation. Um, but I'm also wondering, um, because you mentioned that you you had a hard time with nerves as a performer. Uh, did that happen for you as a conductor? Uh, does Did or does that happen to you as an educator? And how does that help you uh, relate to your students and your collaborators, um, you know, having had that experience yourself? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was just chatting with my conducting class this morning as, as they were kind of each conducting their first real excerpt of a real piece mm-hmm. and in various degrees of nerves and all of that. And and I was I was telling them about the first time for me getting up there, like the baton was it was like this. <laughs> and I was saying. It's. It, would, it was interesting for me um, that dealing with the nerves in, in that setting, um, it was uh, it was different for me um, than because I had already worked through it in a different setting, and so it was it was much shorter lived. Um, and it's and it's funny. I, I find the biggest thing for nerves is just being doing what you do a lot, and. Mm-hmm. I found that like I used to just dread. I remember playing quintet gigs and I'd be going, okay, yeah, I've got the first trumpet. I got, I'll do it. Fine. Just somebody else talk. I just don't make me talk. And, <laughs> and then it, it was just over, over the last 15 years of, or whatever it's been of, of uh, teaching that I've really grown to love that because it's something that, is just a daily part of my life, getting up and talking in front of people and communicating. And, and this is the same thing with conducting, but I, 
I do find that it's uh, very much um, finding when we try to do something the way we think we should, um, it will never be comfortable. When we mm -hmm. do something, when we find the way we do it, that's that's when the nerves and all of those things start to settle because we're finding our our home. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's interesting. But the other part of your question about how the um, how my role as a uh, professional performer and that affects my conducting and teaching. Um, I've had a number of teachers where I'll, I'll go in and work with a, a junior high band or something like that. Um, number of teachers comment on how much they appreciated that. I wasn't talking down to the students or wasn't, um, uh, that I was talking about musical things mm -hmm. right from, and, and it's, it's interesting, which for me having that, um, that background where it's primarily about being a performer, that was just a given that mm -hmm. there's what we, what we do, whether we're picking up the instrument for the first time, or we've been playing it professionally for 30 years, that we're, sh we're still shooting for exactly the same target. We just, we're just refining it more and more and need different things to get there. Um, and yeah, it's. I find, for me, one of the areas that I've I've learned so much uh, from other educators and um, people people in that, especially people who have come through um, an education route and as opposed to a primarily performing route, um, is I've just I've learned so much and continue to learn so much about. Uh, how to approach things from that direction and uh, um, it's ultimately the, the combination of those two things that creates the best music making and the, and the best um, educational experience I think too uh, which and and it's interesting that one thing that I notice there there can be and I'm and it seems like there's less and less a division of this. Um, and, and I think it's, especially as composers are more and more interested for writing for both, but this division, which to me is a fictitious division between wind bands and orchestras, mm. um, where there's, it's music, we're, we're musicians. Um, and I, I don't classify myself as a, as an orchestral musician or a band musician, or I just, I'm, I'm a musician and I, I love mm -hmm. to have that expressed in all sorts of ways. And there, no matter how we're doing that, there are these absolute commonalities across the board. Um, mm -hmm. So it's what I can bring from my orchestral performing world to the, the band stuff I find can be really helpful. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, it's I, I find it fascinating with the the difference in um, a lot of how we learn as uh, wind band conductors and versus orchestral conductors and the different emphasis and the the difference in 
um, technique and approaches that there mm -hmm. is so much more, um, well, so much less emphasis on uh, strict clarity in the orchestral world. Right. Um, like I'm, I'm from certain extremes there. I remember working with, <laughs> with a certain, certain conductor where I actually had to lift my hand, my stand up high enough and keep my head down low enough where I wouldn't actually see, <laughs> see him so that I wouldn't get thrown off too much. And, <laughs> and, and I find that there's, um, with the, with the emphasis on the the music making and the orchestral tool of conducting, um, and the more of, a, of an emphasis on um, clarity in the in the band world of conducting, um, I just I I love trying to trying to get those two closer and closer. Because mm -hmm. I think both can learn learn a lot from the other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and. Uh... Yeah, I was, I was thinking uh, Carl St. Clair was here last year and um, was working with the orchestra and with the band. And and it was interesting because he, he started his life as a, I guess, as a band conductor and stu uh, right. study. And that's what his degree was in. And then um, but seeing him kind of work and do his kind of like you said, maybe it's not as it's here is <laughs> here is right. where you play now. Um, seeing how everyone kind of stepped up for that and and how it really it, he 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 made everyone come up to his level and have their ears turned on so i know and i and i love you know i'm the first person actually you know i, I founded the band room podcast i'm the i probably put more walls up between us <laughs> than most um no. but but it's so good to just always remind that music is music no matter who you're making it with or what you're making it with. Um, yep. and, Here's the uh, thing, Dylan. I just, the, sorry, oh I, I'm just thinking because you said you started the band room. <laughs> so in my what, my high school, the band room and the strings room were attached to each other. There was, you know, you like those hotels room? that have like doors, like adjoining rooms. So um, yeah, we had like an orchestra room or at least okay. another music room, right? They were both just mm -hmm. music rooms, but one of them was right. typically where the band uh, rehearsals happened and the other was where the strings rehearsals happened. I think just so that they didn't have to keep swapping out setups over and over again, right? But they did kind of become these places where like the bandies went to this room and then the strings kids went <laughs> to this room. But like because they attached, there was a door in between a lot of us floated back and forth. Mm -hmm. A lot of us played in both ensembles and the conductors switched pretty frequently. And um, I don't nice. know, I'm just reminded of that. Like when we hear at the band room podcast, like I always imagine that it's the band room and all the other music rooms that are down the hall or on the other side mm -hmm. of the door or however it's configured in this uh, metaphorical music <laughs> room situation. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad Gareth that you, you mentioned that because there is you know definitely in the world of composition this divide of like oh yeah you know writing for one kind of realm and not another and um sometimes that is intentional sometimes it's just like the way that the system has kind of gone for so long that people don't know how to do it any other way and uh, i think these conversations mm -hmm. are useful you know because um, yeah. We, at the end of the day, yeah, we we are all 
all musicians, um, regardless of what we're doing. And um, if you saw me scribbling something down, it's because I was trying to uh, remember to mention the thing about nerves because you talked about it earlier on in, in that answer. But um, I love that you mentioned that the nerves come when you're trying to do something the way you think you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that some of that um, resolves when you come into your yourself, you know, when you are doing something that um, feels genuine or that comes naturally to you or you know you're expressing yourself you're using your own voice and not the voice you think you should be using or however it applies I think that applies so much not only to performers um, and conductors but I mean for myself as a composer I think about these things all the time like is the resistance I'm facing you know actually just that I'm trying to sound like something that's not me you know like we we talk about these concepts a lot and it's just yeah, I appreciate that perspective. Um, I hadn't considered that sometimes the what we call performance anxiety, but could be conducting anxiety, composing anxiety, whatever it is, um, <laughs> you know, can emerge out of insincerity or like doing something that you think you're supposed to do and not what you actually feel called to do. So I just wanted to thank you for highlighting yeah. that because that's a cool perspective. And now a word from our sponsor. It seems like almost every episode we talk about the importance of community. Often maybe our guests bring it up to why they became interested in band. Community is a big part of why many of us do what we do. Absolutely, and that's why I love our new partnership with the Canadian Band Association to share an opportunity for you to be part of a national community of band directors, musicians, and educators. And becoming a member is easy. By joining your provincial band chapter, you automatically become a member of the Canadian Band Association. No matter if you're in British Columbia, Newfoundland and Labrador, or anywhere in between, there is a band association for you. Yes, even my homeland of Prince Edward Island. They started a new one, which is very exciting. Membership benefits include access to the Canadian Winds Journal, monthly e-news, national insurance program, national youth band audition discounts for students, access to national awards and musician certificates. Not to mention all the great events your own provincial chapters will hold. Conducting workshops, community band events, reading sessions, workshops, and more. Support band and music education in Canada through supporting the work being done by your local chapter. To learn more about how you can become a member of the Canadian Band Association, visit canadianband.org chapters to find info on how to connect with your provincial chapter. That's canadianband.org chapters to learn how you can be part of the Canadian Band community. I was, I was, that was also one that jumped out to me because I know, I know how many people, um, even I just sent Kate something from a listener about hearing yeah. <laughs> people like you talk about that. It's it just, it's so, it's so impactful and important for, for people to hear. Um, we're going to pivot a little bit and, and talk about, um, the university of Calgary. It's, uh, you know, and once again, in Canada, it is a very well-known, especially a very well-known band program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still listen to 
those Glenn Price recordings and 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 I'm a, a Mark Hopkins is one of my mentors. Um, so it's, I was wondering if, if you could just take some time to maybe talk about the University of Calgary program, maybe some highlights um, from your time there and, and all that fun stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's great that um, I was, when I was starting there, I was uh, both of both Glenn and Mark were, were there as well. And it's, oh. I've, yeah. And it's, with with both of them like it's mark has say he's continues to do such such great work and is a good friend um mm-hmm. and uh, and what i i i worked with him um uh as um he i was in his conducting classes i was starting out oh, okay. <laughs> and and he he was he was wonderful um and uh, sounds like a Glenn, full circle moment <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> um, and uh, Glenn, what he's the 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 renown that he brought to the the recordings of the wind ensemble and all of that. Um, it's uh, it's it can at times be a, a, a daunting thing to kind of think. Okay, stepping into those shoes. Right. Um, so yeah, again, I feel very very fortunate to. Uh, to that things have worked out the way they have and I'm able to be doing what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, um, I work with, as I mentioned, I, I work with the, um, the symphonic band and, and then I also work with the wind ensemble and the, and the brass choir. Um, so those are the three ensembles that I, I teach at the university and, and I, mm-hmm. um, it's really I find it a very intriguing thing that I was very nervous about the beginning of this year, as I'm sure a lot of a lot of directors were about going, OK, what's what's going to happen after these last two and a half years? And yeah. and what are things what are things going to look like with the incoming students and and uh, and all of that? And it's it has just been such a um it's it's been better than I than I hoped for. It's been better mm-hmm. than than I thought was was possible. So it's it's we've been very lucky from from that perspective so far, um, and yeah, I've I've there are many things over the years. I've I've been working with the symphonic band for fifteen years now, and oh, wow. um, the. The wind ensemble for eight years, something, something like that, okay. maybe, maybe ten, um, mm-hmm. and uh, both of them, I just, I, they're both very, very gratifying to work with in their in their different ways with the the wind ensemble with with tours and and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's um, there's this degree of getting to know these advanced students who are a lot of them planning to to go forward in different aspects of music whether it's education or performance and getting to know them at that stage in their um at that stage in their their process as musicians um and 
having seen them come in as as first years and trying to figure out which end was up and mm-hmm. and, and that with the symphonic band being able to uh, um trying to to like that's the symphonic band is largely uh there are uh, quite a few first year students in there and and quite a okay. few non majors um right. and uh, it's a very like it's a, a different road to to get to that same ultimate goal um a different stage in the road so that different slightly different approach to things of of uh, um figuring out what needs to be um what what needs to be made more clear and what to emphasize and it's um and it's it's funny like i think about i think about my my highlights um at the university and and it all it all comes back to those moments honestly like it's mm-hmm. there have been wonderful wonderful performance moments touring all this sort of stuff um but honestly it's it's the the light bulb moment, moments both for me and for my students um that they're some of some of them very humbling of understanding that okay actually i'm rid having things that i'm communicating to the group or to to players that i i didn't realize i was communicating i didn't want to communicate and just that right that they the humbling experience of that process of self-awareness um and yeah it's funny i can i can look at a number of number of situations both at ufc and and uh, and elsewhere that those those are the real highlights for me the individual things with students um having a having a, a student early on in my um uh conducting class experience come up to me after class and just basically go it looks like you don't it looks like you don't like me it looks like you're and and I'm just going like I was I was shattered because I was just mm-hmm. going like holy cow what am I what am I doing that's giving that off and and it was just that awareness that I would allow myself to get distracted and mm-hmm. forget that okay yeah well the students are looking at me and they're looking at at me look at them and what i'm showing on my face hugely matters um whether it's intended towards them or not or whether it has anything to do with the situation and it was and it, it was great because that from that moment on we had a really very like it was just a really positive um association that it mm-hmm. uh they became one of one of my favorite players in in my ensembles and and they really thrive and it was it's moments like that that are the the real highlights for me mm-hmm. um that the as i say those those light bulb those eye opening moments that uh, those are the those are the times that i go 
I'm doing the right thing. I am, I am in the right field. And I spent some time not doing the right thing. When I first had my injury, I, I was panicking going, okay, what am I going to do to create, make a living? I, what, I, I don't think I, music's going to work. I became a financial planner. I'm, I'm a certified financial planner. <laughs> no way. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, no way. <laughs> was, and I, I, made, I made more money as, as a half-assed conductor in that, in that first half year <laughs> than I did as a financial. That's what I kind of went, okay, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I should be in music. <laughs> But it's so it's it's those light bulb moments that are the the reinforcement of that of the, of that process and that realization that yeah, yeah that I, you made the I right belong call. in music yeah, yeah. <laughs> I must say um, for some reason during this question or during your answer my my internet would keep like kind of cutting out <laughs> and I oh, would no. miss very large chunks. Of, oh, of no. what you were saying, and then I'd come back in. And there was laughter, and I was like, "Oh, what, what did I miss?" Um, You'll hear but it I, all I know, in post. Yeah, I'll hear it in yeah. post. Um, <laughs> well, no. Okay, it's, yeah, I have to really... ask about the the financials. Oh. Do you still do any of that? Like, did you completely leave that behind, or like have I you completely hung left that behind? It it's, no, <laughs> it was. And it's funny. Like, I I always enjoy the challenge of learning something new and and relating to people mm-hmm. and helping people and 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 I don't enjoy the challenge of of uh, trying to sell people stuff. And I realized that was a lot of yeah. what that that was. And uh, that's I realized that's that's not a real forte for me. So yeah, back to music. Well, glad <laughs> glad you figured that out early on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dear. Um, did you want to speak about your um, your role with the Alberta Winds? Because I know um, we we didn't explicitly ask about that at all, but we definitely love to, you know, create some space to hear about that aspect of your life too. If you want to share, absolutely, yeah. So the Alberta Winds is a, a group that uh, um, it's young professionals. Uh, some educators, um, but various various levels of uh, professional musicians playing in there, um, who come in and play for the love of playing. And our our goal is to have it be a, a paid ensemble, and we're getting a little bit of that this year, which is really nice, nice. after after a couple down years that we're starting to be able to uh, get. Um, a little taste of that of that goal and direction, um, but we run it um, more like a professional ensemble where we do we do three concerts a year, um, and we just have four rehearsals leading up to that concert. We'll have uh, a rehearsal about uh, ten days to two weeks before, and then three uh, three concerts during the the week of the concert or three rehearsals during the week of the concert. And it's, I, I have so much fun with that group. It's there. I'm conducting, um, I'm conducting a lot of colleagues um, and a lot of, a lot of people that I really very, very much. Um, I, I consider my, my job on the, on the podium getting to, um, 
direct things and call some shots is say a very privileged one in that uh, that ensemble it's say um yeah it's it's a wonderful group to work with and and just uh um it's it's fun to have that approach to music making of that professional professional level approach not just with the the wonderful level of the players but um with that rehearsal schedule i enjoy that the the little little bit of pressure that goes with that <laughs> and uh, um that uh, the intensity of that of that week when we when we get together for that time every uh, three times a year it's uh, um it's a very it's a very different dynamic from mm -hmm. the other groups that I conduct and I I really I I love that uh, change and and the breaking things up that's one thing I've very much learned about myself is I I like different things that it's it's <laughs> uh, that's where I, I like I love having the foot in the orchestral world the foot in the band world and mm -hmm. and um uh, one foot on the podium, one foot back in the trumpet section, and <laughs> yeah. and it's I just I love the 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 challenges that come with wearing a lot of different hats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's I I love the idea of of you being able to conduct your colleagues, but the idea of us as as music directors still being able to learn from from our our our, our players. Um, and I know, and it's sometimes a humbling experience, um, mm -hmm. but I know, uh, how, how beautiful it is. And, uh, and it's great to have a group like that in Alberta to, to show what is possible, um, mm -hmm. and what, what high level, um, music can sound like. Um, yeah. I, I hope, I wish there was more of these groups, but Me yeah. too. Oh, it's great mm -hmm. stuff. I know. Cause it's, it's somewhere in the realm of like community band but you've kind of taken it up a notch in that you are you know advocating for it to be a paid musical opportunity for the players and also like you said the approach of like you know the more intense kind of rehearsal concert cycle stuff as opposed to a more relaxed um community band that meets once a week all year long and you take a really long time to kind of casually <laughs> prep your your repertoire right. And stuff, right so yeah. Um, yeah yeah i wish there were more ensembles like that i i would join one i think if there was you know mm -hmm. like that's that's the kind of thing we need more of for sure yeah if i move yeah. back kate if i move back do it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. excellent gotta tell more people to retire first uh, <laughs> i won't say who uh anyway anyway okay i digress <laughs> and um I wanted to mention too that we never crossed paths with the National Youth Band, um, but we came close because I think was it 2014 that you did that's there, right did yeah. NYB yeah yeah I I played in that ensemble um, from 2008 to like 11 or something so we just, just okay. didn't, didn't line up <laughs> that's very cool that's a, that that's too bad we didn't cross paths yeah I know. But we have now, so that's good. Um, there we so go. So we have, 
yeah, we have sadly come to our, our final question of, of this conversation, which has just been delightful so far. And um, before we get to the final question, I'm just going to remind our listeners that the three of us are going to go off into bonus episode land and record a fun bonus episode for our Patreon community. Um, we do not know the topic, um, but I think maybe Gareth has some fun stories for us, and we're really excited about that. Uh, so if you would like to check that out and also access all of the under other wonderful uh, back catalog of bonus episodes, you can do that at patreon.com slash bandroompod. Okay, so you've given us lots to think about uh, throughout this conversation already, um, but our final question is what advice do you have for conductors or just musicians in general? It's interesting because there's, there's so much there, there's so much, but it's, mm -hmm. um, and yet it's, it's so simple at the same time. Um, it's understanding what is core and never letting go of that understanding as, as a conductor, um, understanding what are, what are the absolutely core elements to, to getting the sound that you want and that, that best sound that a group can make? Um, what are the core elements of that for, for that ensemble? Um, and never letting go of that. And, and it's the same thing as, as us as instrumentalists, that understanding that... Uh, it's those those core things, and actually, I get back to uh, Chickowitz's teaching that he was very much about fundamentals, and doesn't matter how if you're preparing Brandenburg two or or some other killer piece, it would be it it would a very small amount of your practice time would be spent doing that, and it was about mm -hmm. fundamentals and about those core things. Um, and it's uh, letting letting that guide us all the time, whether it's about our individual music making or our guiding an ensemble. Um, and we we find that by by our own trial and error. Um, starting out, it's. I think it's it's really confusing and nerve-wracking trying to find your way, your voice, your your approach, um, and having the, having the courage to do that. That not trying to be a, a clone of anybody else. We learn so much from everybody else, mm -hmm. um, and then we we take that and we internalize that, and we find how we express that and and that's what makes great music that's what makes uh well that's that's why these that's why performances that's why um acoustic instruments that's that's why that kind of communication will never disappear um because it's about this absolutely intimate expression and 
connection of what is innermost in in each of us and when we're when we accept nothing less than that that always leads us in the right direction wow there has been so many times during this whole conversation like basically after every answer you've given i've wanted to go if more people thought like that, the world would be a much better place. <laughs> and it has just been, no, and I mean it. It's just, and, uh, you know, I've, I've only been able to hear great things about you, Gareth, and to actually have, be able to have this conversation with you today has just, just, you know, made those cement even more, everything that everyone said about you. It's you so, so refreshing to hear um, such a, a wonderful musician talk about the importance of people and the importance of you know that that person that's in front of you and and how what we do what we say how we play influences all of those things um so thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here in the band room well thank you so much it's a real treat chatting chatting Thanks so much for spending time with us in the band room. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed in today's episode, check out the links found on our website, bandroompod.com. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the band room podcast, give us a rating and a review and tell all your friends about how much you enjoyed it. If you really love the show, maybe you should consider becoming part of our Patreon community where you can support BRP and get some extra incentives in return. Or you can buy some sweet, sweet BRP merch, helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's on the go. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, leave us a comment on our website, bandroompod.com, where your comment might be featured on a future episode of BRP. Our theme music is Skyline, composed by EKR Hamill and performed by Dr. Gillian McKay and the University of Toronto Wind Ensemble. Stay safe and be well, bandies. Thanks again for stopping by the band room. <laughs>